Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly Podcast, uh, part two this week. It's a very rare week where we're recording twice. Uh, if you haven't checked out our Champions League breakdown slash dissection, um, where we were joined by PSG Tourist, or better known to us as Max, uh, please do give that one a listen. That's still available on our feed in all the usual places. Uh, I should say that I am your host, Chris. I'm sure you know who I am by now, but just in case you've forgotten or in case you're new to this parish. And uh, just the two of us today, I'm joined by Jez. Afternoon, Jez. Hello. How are you doing? I'm all good. I'm all good. We're holding the fort. Um, Phil's still away. I think she's back next week. I think. I may be wrong. But uh, yeah, we're holding the fort while she's away. And we wanted to do two separate shows, given the Champions League. We wanted to kind of go ham on that. But uh, this is the second part this week where we're just going to look back at what seems like forever ago now, which was the first weekend of the Liga season. Uh, noticeable, there was a, a couple of fixtures didn't happen um, as a result of postponements uh, due to either COVID tests, which was St Etienne Marseille, or the PSG and Lyon games were postponed due to their involvement in the Champions League. So we did have kind of a, a slightly stilted card. So we're going to kind of run through uh, pretty much all the games in, in a short spell here. Uh, most weeks we're just going to cover specific games, but this week you get a treat from us. So uh, it opened up to a fanfare and an absolutely explosive game where there were chances and goals and ins- no, no, there, there really wasn't. Bordeaux nil, nil, not nil was how we started the weekend. Only thing I can really pick out of this one, Jez, really was the fact that Bordeaux came into this season uh, very much, I would say, underprepared, kind of all over the shop, um, insert various adjectives here. But um, Jean-Louis Gasset has, has come in. It was his first game as the new head coach. Uh, Nantes equally looked quite underprepared in terms of they've, they've been struck by, by COVID uh, positive tests uh, during pre-season as well. It wasn't the most entertaining game. We did see a red card for the Bordeaux debutante um, in, in midfield slash defence. Um, but it, it just it just wasn't a very good game. Uh, Mehdi Zerkan, of course, I'm speaking of. What, I guess what I would ask you really from this fixture is, Bordeaux and non, who do you expect to, to have the better season? Do you think Gasset will settle down with Bordeaux and, and Arnaud in a position where they can challenge the sort of top 10 positions given their... Slightly stretched squad, I'd say. Um, I think, first of all, like at this stage of the season with every team, I think there's always the caveat of sort of let's wait until the end of the transfer window and see what young players have been pillaged from, from Liga to, to go to wherever, Premier League Championship, wherever it is. Um, but in terms of the squads as they are at the moment, I think Bordeaux are a better place. I mean, neither of them are sort of stellar squads, but I do think Bordeaux have got a little bit more that they can work with. Um, and I think Gasset is probably closer to the sort of top of his coaching form than, than Gulkov is. I think Gulkov looks a little bit of a, to a point, sort of spent force nowadays. Um, Gasset we've seen very recently with Saint-Étienne that he's, um, you know, he's, he's still on it. Certainly the, you know, he certainly had all the players playing for him. They all seem to adore him. If he can get that going at Bordeaux and he'll certainly have the fans on side just partly because he's not Sousa and not part of the, well, the administration, but also obviously he was the, um, he was Blanc's assistant when they won the league. 
So I, th I think he's got a little bit more there. Um, you know, very experienced back line, and you can you can always use that as a foundation to work from. But yeah, I don't expect. I think because they've both got two managers, you you sort of expect them both to finish higher than their their um, squad suggests that they should. So for that reason, I think Bordeaux might even be a dark horse. Ah, I don't know if I even believe it when I say that for, for Europa League, but I, I don't think they're going to be in any trouble. I actually yeah. think Nantes might be, but with certain, you know, with players like Simon Blas and um, Coco, if they all stay fit, mm. you'd think that those three should be enough to to keep them out of trouble. But I don't think they're going to pull up pull up any trees this season. No, I'm like you. I, I feel like Bordeaux might be dark horses for Europa League if for no other reason other than I don't think they'll have too much competition in that regard. Like, it feels like the top four or five are kind of away and gone, and then there's a bit of a bun fight underneath them. Um, Nantes, uh, just just from watching this game alone, and like you said, you can only judge in one game. Moses Simon was clearly the was the standout player for me. I thought he he offers that direct running and unpredictability. But they do look like they lack goals again. Koulibaly was, I don't know really what's happened to him, but he just looks like a shell of his former self, if there was a former self of him. Um, and yeah, the, the goals, I think, is where they're going to struggle. I do want to give a little shout out to former Arsenal man Laurent Koscielny as well, who was exceptional for Bordeaux. I thought he was by far and away their best player and um, he's probably going to be the defensive block in which they build on this season. And again, with Bordeaux, it's kind of the goals that is the worry. Uh, De Preville, Huang, Kalu uh, came on late. Jimmy Brion, bless him, at 35 years of age, was still knocking around the, the second part of the of the second half. But yeah, you feel like both sides, in particular Bordeaux, need signings. So I guess we will see where where that goes. Well, there Kalu's was um, probably leaving as well. Yeah, that's true. He has been linked, hasn't he, with a couple of moves. Um, I think uh, the only good thing I can see with that is hopefully Yassine Adli will get more minutes because that would be something I'd like to see this season. But I guess we will see. Um, that was uh, a slightly, um, yeah, slightly uh, low-key start to the season in terms of that particular fixture. Uh, we got a, a slightly better game as Angers beat Dijon 1-0 in the second game of... Uh, or, First game of two that was on Saturday. Um, Ismail Traore getting the winner there. Not too much to be said of this game other than good start to the season for Angers. Um, I guess they're probably going to be one of those sides that people look at and sort of think that they might struggle this season. Um, but yeah, good start. And Moulard just keeps going and going. He's just like the, the energizer bunny of, of Liga. Um, again, for me, sort of one of those clubs that should be okay if things go their way in terms of mid-table status? Do you, have you got any concerns with their their uh, their squad or their setup? Well, for one sure, I think every year we, we sort of have the same conversation. You know, Moulin's done so well, but, um, you know, if they get rid of their linchpin player, whoever it's been in the past, you know, Toko Kambi, Diediu, um, Pepe, obviously, um, you know, can, can they... Can they maintain that form? Um, this time, you know, it could well be Santa Maria. Fulgini's still there. I'm surprised no one else has come come in for him. Yeah, but, um, again, they've still got that very solid back line of, of Tom Traore as the centre backs. Ben Ardoni is a really good good um, keeper who they've brought in. Mm. So 
it depends who stays and goes and and who's the next to come through but um i think there's enough still quality there that i, I don't think Angers are going to be any in any trouble dijon a little bit more worried about yeah yeah I, I i do agree with that dijon they they looked again i suppose we're going to say there's a lot but they look like a side who had some nice interplay but no finish um and ultimately if you're losing one nil at home that kind of rings true with that one um but again i think like shia is is obviously a talent mm. but i think there's there's a little bit too much there that um a lot of expectation on one player, isn't it? Exactly. I think there's, yeah, there's a bit too much that's kind of either below average or past their best. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it was nice to see Dino Ebimbe get, get a call up or um, get an appearance. I think he's been, he's been called up for one of the France youth teams today as well. So I'm um, looking forward to seeing more of him. But yeah, again, just not sure where the goals are coming from and not sure that there's enough at the back. To, to really prevent them struggling. Yeah, 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 I tend to agree with that one. Two sides that certainly shouldn't struggle this year are uh, Champions League, um, or Champions League group stage qualification team. That'll be Ren. Um, they're obviously looking forward to that. Lille, not in the Champions League this year, but again, you would sort of think that uh, both should be fairly comfortable in terms of their sort of upper echelon league and status. It ended 1 1 in this one, Jonathan Bamba putting the home side in front for Damien De Silva, equalised for Ren, red card apiece, um, Bowie for uh, for Ren, which um, to say his tackle was agricultural would be a slight understatement. It was head high, just the most ridiculous challenge you've ever seen in your life. Um, and then there was a red card for Reynaldo for Lille, which sort of divided opinion. It felt Some people sort of felt it was an out of control challenge. Others felt it was... Should have been should have been looked at by uh, by VAR, but wasn't. I think it was Clement Turpin who was refereeing that game, which surprised me. That it didn't go to to VAR, but nevertheless, it was a bit of a scything challenge. And Rafinha's triple pike somersault afterwards probably didn't help Ronaldo's cause. So a red card apiece and uh, a goal apiece. Saw a few debuts, most notably for Lille, Jonathan David, who um, didn't have sort of really any service at all in that game and he's coming in for replacing Ossiman. Um but yeah ultimately a one one draw. Either of these two sides excite you this season? I, I know you have your your thoughts on on uh, Julian Stefan at Ren. Shut your ears Rich if you're listening. Um but he see he seems to be continuing in the same vein in terms of how Ren are playing. And then as for Lille it's very much once again they've sold a couple of stars but they've brought in some exciting looking young players. Botman, I thought, was very good at the back on his debut. What do you sort of make of these two sides going into the season? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I still think I expect both of them to be around challenging for Champions League places again. And then aside from that, again, it all depends on how they sort of adjust to um, the sort of two pronged, you know, league and European. Um, Lille are a little more used to, well no they're not even more used to I mean they've both been in Europe the last couple of years Lille obviously have sought Champions League for Europa and, and Ren have done, done gone the opposite direction so um, I, I think they've both kept strong teams and strong squads as you said I think it might depend on how the newbies um, bed in and, and probably for Lille as you said a new sort of uh, centre forward that and and no doubt losing Gabrielle as well. There are a couple of very important positions to, to fill in and quickly. 
Um, I thought David looked quite good, or David. Um, Yilmaz a lot less when he came on. And as you said, Botman looked good as well. So I, I think Lille will be fine. Um, Ren as well. I, you know, we'll go on to Guiri later, but I think Terrier was also a mistake from Lyon to let him go. Um, Niang, it looks like he's staying. Um, Gerasi's coming in. I'm still not entirely convinced about him, but certainly in terms of sort of squad depth and, um, you know, maybe if it means Niang can sort of focus on Champions League and get a rest occasionally in Liga, where Gerasi has proved that he's a he's a capable player, if not a more than capable player. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think both of them will... I expect both of them to have similar seasons to last year. Um, obviously, it depends on how other teams like Marseille, who did so well last year and Lyon who did so badly last year how they do but I think they'll still be in those higher positions sort of third fourth fifth and I think that that's going to be a really interesting fight and what I thought was yeah really interesting was was how Lille sort of collapsed once David came off and Yilmaz came on and did very little Mm. and how Ren did a hell of a lot better as soon as uh, Kamavinga came on yeah yeah, I felt Yilmaz looked every bit his age when he came on. Exactly, to be honest, yeah, yeah just, just, I think he is going to be the kind of experienced sub that you bring on late in a game potentially this season, and and hope, and I guess will hopefully help Jonathan David to settle. Um, I do think David will be a success. I thought there was enough in his performance. His movement is pretty good, and I think the only thing that's going to hold him back now is pressure um, to to be the new Osman because everyone's going to think that's what he's there for, and judge him on that but I do think he'll get goals particularly in, in a league that sort of his pace I think will get him chances it's just whether he takes them um, but yeah Botman was one that stood out for me for Lille and uh, we were just talking sort of pre-pod about uh, a player I wanted to give a mention to just in terms of what I watched I thought um, Matt Wasser at left fullback for Ren was, was really good he just stood out for me as, as a player to keep a close eye on and, um, and we should mention as well Kamavinga coming off the bench completely changed this game um, he's going to be a, a real superstar and, and great news to, to hear that he is staying in Liga for the season because there's been a lot of talk about him going elsewhere but seeing as everybody's broke uh, he's going to stay put which is great news for the league so we'll be, hopefully be able to enjoy him for the, the rest of this season uh, on the, the Saturday fixtures, there were four games played. Monaco uh, and Rams probably played the most entertaining game of the weekend, I would, would say. A 2-2 draw. Uh, Rams flying into an early lead through Dia and, uh, and Toure with a lovely finish, actually, the second one. Um, 2-0 up and everything was looking fantastic. Uh, but it ended in a 2-2 draw as Axel de Sassi scored in his debut. It's his former club, of course. And Badi Chile, who uh, both of which Monaco centre-backs had had slightly iffy days in terms of their defending, but they popped up with goals at the other end. Wissam um, Vignetta missing a couple of good chances for the home side as well. And uh, ultimately ended in a 2-2 draw. Good point this for Rams. Um, well, he was probably feel a little bit disappointed in terms of being two up and not getting the win. Um, but I do want to sort of ask you about Project Monaco. Uh, I have to call it that because th- there's going to be a lot of movement, like you said at the start of the pod. We still expect a lot of transfer business to be done, particularly with clubs like Monaco. But what do you kind of make of what they're trying to do there and, and um, Kovac's sort of plan to make them a, a competing force once again this season? Uh, I, I quite like what they're doing. I think for the first time in three years or so, it looks like there's a bit of logic and direction to it. Um, mm. 
I feel very sorry for the way that Moreno was treated. I'm not sure he deserved to be fired and certainly yeah. it didn't need to take that long. But I don't think it's a coincidence that that happened just after Paul Mitchell came in. And, and you know, finally they've got a serious sporting director who looks like he knows what he wants to do, where he wants to go, is going to make tough decisions. And you look at the team that they fielded, also the, the players they've let, they've let go. I think, um, I think the only players left from the title-winning squad are maybe um, Sidibe, who obviously clearly they'd be happy to sell, but I'm not sure who wants him. And Jemison, who similarly is, is doesn't look like he's part of anyone's plans. Um, but you look at the, the team they fielded and certainly the substitutes they had, and it's a it's a much younger average average age, much younger team than they've had the last couple of years, which I'm sure reflects the that that weird sort of schizo thing that, that Jardim had where you know, he had all his success with these young players and then suddenly didn't trust anyone under the age of sort of 30 or something. Yeah. It's very strange. So, you know, it's great to see Badi Ashile back in the team, to see De Sazi next to him, Fafana and Chouameni, who they obviously brought in in, in January. Um, I'm just pleased these players have been brought into the fold or back into the fold. And I don't think this year is going to be perfect by any means, but it does look like they're sort of properly bedding in for sort of um, <laughs> project or, you know, they, they've got a sort of two or three year vision rather than two or three weeks. Yeah. Um, and, Long term and plan. Yeah. I think that's good to see. The only th- again, a lot of it maybe depends on whether Ben Yedder stays or goes. Um, it's been relatively quiet, but it seems that he wants to leave. But even if he does, you know, it would be nice as well if players like Gerbels and, and Pellegri could, could stay fit yeah. and would be and give us a chance to see what, what they're really made of. Yeah, Pellegri's a massive talent, launched a lot of him in Italy. I think he's got huge talent, but as you say, just hasn't been fit at all. Gerbels did make a substitute appearance in this game, so that suggests he will be used a little bit. Um, no sign of either Jemison or um, to debate on the bench. Uh, maybe um, also Seven Jovetic and Cesc Fabregas both missed the game to injury, so they've got to come back in. Maybe Everton could sign Dribble Sidibe and they can have the um, have the sort of the the, uh, the the player they had last season back on the permanent deal. You'd think that that would be something they would look at because they had them alone, didn't they, for the back end last season? But yeah, I don't just... think they want to pay the price that Monaco won. Uh, makes and sense. Certainly from what all the Everton fans that I've, I've sort of interacted with about it. I'm not sure any of them particularly want him back. No. I mean, really. shockingly, their, their general view, you won't believe this, is that he's good going forward, but not very good defensively. I, I can't believe that for a second. I think that's <laughs> utter rubbish. Uh, next thing you'll be telling me that Serge Aurier is a really good defender. Um, yeah, that's just certainly gloss over that one. Um, it is funny when you see people saying, Oh, I thought he was really good in defense. You're like, Did you ever watch this guy try to defend? I don't actually defend anyway. I digress, but uh, yeah, I'd be interested to see how, how uh, Project Monaco develop and um, yeah, certainly more business to be done. I was quite impressed with the two wide men, uh, on Yukuru and Chelsea Martins were pretty decent in this game as well, so it'd be good to keep an eye on them. But yeah, good good point for for Rams. Um, certainly, a lovely old day down in Brittany on uh, on Saturday. Uh, Florian coming from behind to beat Strasbourg three um, one. I won't spend too long on this because I could, but I won't. Uh, but yeah, really good um, start to the season for Policier's men. 
Um, Johan Wisser having a decent game and, and scoring the equaliser after Chahiri had put Strasbourg in front. Uh, Gerbic with his first goal for his new club from the penalty spot for Pierre-Yves Amel got the late third. I thought overall uh, Lorient did deserve this. Uh, the first half they looked edgy, looked a little bit, a little bit nervous, still settling into life back in the uh, in, in the top flight. Strasbourg for me tired. Um, Kenny Lala wearing number ten is an interesting move this this season. He played more further forward in midfield or as a wide player, and and they too have been quite badly affected by by COVID nineteen um, sort of uh, illnesses amongst their squad. Um, what's your kind of what what do you make of of Lorient as, as the promoted club because they, along with Lance, who would come on to, looked quite impressive on the opening day and their transfer business, adding Moncondry in the last 24 hours as well, looks to be pretty solid from, from where I see it. Yeah, I think they've had a really good window. Um, they've brought in a couple of good players. Gerbic, uh, I thought he, he looked decent enough. I mean, it's the first match. The goal came from the penalty. He won the penalty, although... I think it was more to do with bad defending than than yeah. anything special that he did. But they've got, um, I think they've got a really nicely balanced squad. Again, good experience of the likes of Morel and Ramon, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and some talented forward players. Lefay, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he adjusts to Ligue 1. And that, you, you the, and the pass, the through ball for the for the final goal. Um, he won't get an assist because Malfour missed when it seemed easier to score, and I may have scored from the rebound. But um, it was it was a beautiful through ball, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't think Lorient going to be in any kind of trouble at all this year. Yeah, the, as you say, the vision superb, and and Weiss is another one to keep an eye on. Um, his his pace uh, and direct play, I think, it caused Strasbourg a lot of problems. Um, he's got a very unique goal celebration as well. Um, fans of Erling Haaland will know it's very similar to that one, uh, sort of sit cross-legged um, kind of Buddha style. That's uh, quite an interesting thing to look out for this season. And the only thing more tiresome than a tiresome celebration is someone else copying it. That is also true, yeah. Although I, I don't know who did it first. We'll have to look that up, or I will anyway, because I'm sad enough to. Uh, I was also impressed with um, Bouygar as well, who came in from Toulouse in the summer. I thought he looked pretty decent um, in terms of a, a debut, um, which was uh, decent. Shame CDR go off injured as well, because he's another one that I'm quite looking forward to see see play, but he went off with an early, early injury. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quietly uh, quietly confident that, uh, that Lorient will have a decent season. Uh, and as for Strasbourg, I think they'll be fine. And so I think it was just a case of uh, a little bit too much too soon for their squad. Uh, and they've got a couple of young players to keep a, a close eye on as well um, in terms of uh, uh, Simakan is, is one that stands out to me. And I was quite surprised to see uh, Belagar. He only got the last 15 minutes, but I think I'm right in saying he was one of them that had a positive test in pre-season. So um, he didn't get too many minutes, but he's definitely one to keep a close eye on. Uh, in terms of, just, I think you look at Strasbourg's team, and again, as long as no one else leaves, I still think it's a good team. But I just, I don't know why. I don't think they're going to go down or anything like that. I just, there's something about them that I feel like maybe this will be the season too far. I don't know. Like, yeah, I can see what you mean. I mean, again, it's a broken record here. Goals maybe an issue. I mean, I, I really love Ajorka. I just love the way he plays the game and. It's just sort of a, an underdog story um, about how he's developed in Liga. But yeah, may, maybe the goals is an issue. Maybe the attacking 
element but they've got quite a lot of pace and in, in the wide areas they've got plenty of experience but I, I know what you mean there's that that kind of nagging thing you just think could it be um I feel like there's three worse sides than them in in the league yeah yeah definitely I just I don't think they're gonna they've had a couple of positive seasons I'm not sure this one's going to be particularly yeah yeah be one you think they'd want to kick on but maybe that isn't going to happen I guess time will tell um certainly kicking on in terms of the opening game of the season this is probably the well, it's certainly the biggest score and maybe the, slightly the biggest surprise of the weekend. Neem running out 4-0 winners over Brest. Uh, I think it was a slightly, it slightly um, flattered the, the host. But uh, Kevin Denke um, chuckled, uh, I believe it's Plaz Milling, uh, the Norwegian who set up and scored in his debut, Roman Filipotu, and a late goal from Kone, who I think also assisted Filipotu's goal. Um, Chardonnay did not taste too sweet as he was sent off for Brest. Sorry, I had to. But uh, yeah, we were saying pre-pod, bit of a freak result in terms of that I think Brest will be fine this season. Um, but they, they took a walloping from the Crocs in, in this this opening game. Neem, potentially a surprise package, do you think? Or, or was this just a case of some bad defending from Brest and taking full advantage of? Uh, it's hard to say at the moment. We have to wait and see. We also, you know, a new new coach on the on the bench you never know maybe he's the um the next great french coach and, and he's gonna turn this team into into a great team i i still i'm not sure that they're uh i think they'll be in the bottom half of the table and mm. you know they did get a little bit lucky last year to avoid the, the relegation playoff but um again that there's solid players there there's just no one who excites me that much um, I'm, I'm hoping that Ferhat, Zinedine Ferhat, has the, the season I, I was hoping he would have last year. Um, I really thought he'd, he'd be one of the sort of breakout stars after a couple of amazing league seasons. It never really happened. I think he had injury niggles. So I think he started with a, an assist and a sort of pre-assist in this match. So that that's yeah. positive. Ben Rowe looks a talent as well. I'm just not sure they've got enough quality and enough depth all the way through the team to sort of maintain this impressive um, a start. But you know, it is ideal for sort of confidence. And if the you know if the the sort of in inverted commas smaller teams are kind of circling each other and and thinking you know we need to get the points off off each other, then this is an ideal start, obviously. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I, I do think there's some talent in that Brest team. I'm just, I'm not sure entirely, again, we said it before, but where the goals are going to come from. But I, there's some players there I do like, you know, great keeper. I like Duverne. I think he's a really good young defender. Ibrahima Diallo, if he's, again, if he's still there at the end of the summer, I think he's a he's a quality midfielder. Um, so they have a good spine. I'm just, yeah, worried about whether a mixture of sort of Cardona and Charbonnier, for example, actually have the 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 ability to score the goals to to maybe push Brest up a little bit yeah. further than they could do. Yeah, Charbonnier, another the classic old school name of, of um, seasons past, still still rocking it up front uh, for for Brest. But yeah, as we said pre-pod, you know, there's always one result on the opening day of any season where you look at it and you go, oh, didn't see that one coming. I think this is probably that one, whether it proves to be decisive sort of in a few months, I guess we will uh, we'll wait and see. The um, final game of the weekend saw what I thought was probably the most entertaining 
um, games in terms of sort of end-to-end, particularly in the first half uh, on Sunday was uh, Nice 2, Lens 1. Uh, Gal Kakuta converting a penalty early on for Lens after a slightly questionable penalty call against Dante, but it's Dante. And if you watch it back, for me, he, he, he kind of knows what he's doing, but he tries to suggest that he doesn't. It's one of those leans in but pulls his arm backwards kind of situations. So I wasn't surprised Never to see a penalty him. for me. Did you not think, no? Did you no. not think he, he kind of knew what he was doing? No. Fair enough. We'll agree to disagree on that one. Um, but um, one thing that was for sure is that the the, the the two winning goals, particularly the first one from Amin Guiri, has upset a lot of Leon fans. Uh, I think a lot of people were very upset to see him go. Um, he burst onto the scene in this game. We say his first two goals in, in Liga. The first one is a thing of beauty. Look that one up. I think it's on my timeline if you haven't seen it. Uh, terrific cut inside and, and uh, curl finish into the, the roof of the net in off the underside of the bar. They always look better. But uh, yeah, I thought he looked exceptional um, from that left-hand side cutting in. And um, Vieira's men off to a good start. Uh, what's, um, what's, your, what's your kind of thoughts on, on both these sides? Because I actually thought thought Lons were quite unlucky to not take a point from this game. There was periods of time where they they did play very, very well. Um, and I thought they probably should have gone in at the break in front, if not level, um, missed a really good late chance as well. What's your kind of thoughts on both these sides as we go into the new season? Yeah, I was, I was really gutted for Lons. Couldn't happen to a nicer team. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be entirely um, impartial when I talk about Lance, but I do. I do think they've got all the uh, foundations for. I, I. I do think. For me, it's difficult to pick out very obvious relegation candidates actually this year. Um, I don't think maybe apart from Dijon, I, I maybe would have said Nîmes actually, but I don't. I don't think there's really obvious teams that are going to struggle. Um, and, and Lens, I think, again, that probably they're just aiming to, to stay up and, and just get a bit more. Similarly to, to, to Mess, you know, it's always been up and down for the last few years and they just want to, you know, probably two or three years in, in Ligue 1 just to really bed themselves back in the top flight and then push on from there. And the player, they should have quality there to do that. I've always liked Lekka as a keeper. Kakuta I think still is a great playmaker. Um, Dukure I think is a really talented midfielder as well. Mm. Again it's it's maybe where the goals are going to come from which could be the issue and also a, a relatively sort of green in terms of um, French football anyway um, coach. So I think they'll be all right. They got um, Corentin Jean as well, who's never, he's always yeah. started so young, we thought he was going to be so good, and it never really happened. So he's got a lot to prove. Mm. Um, and they brought in um, Fofana, which is a brilliant signing in midfield. So yeah, that's the one I was going to mention. Yeah. I think they'll probably be okay. Nice, obviously, are on a completely different level. And I think Vieira starts the season under a lot of pressure because I know that he got them into Europe last year, but it was almost by accident. Um, and, you know, it was the vagaries of, of when the season finished and that injury time winner against Monaco that, that sort of saw them suddenly scrape into the European places. But actually, last year, all the way through, we said, well, the mitigating circumstances are he didn't have any kind of transfer window. And then all the players who came in the last week 
Um, you know, he didn't have time to, to have a pre-season with them and all of that. But they still didn't really play well all the way through the season. Now they've brought in a lot of, I think they arguably had the best window of any team in, in Liga, you could argue. Um, and there aren't really any excuses anymore for, for Vieira, I don't think. So I think if he doesn't get off to a good start, um, there could be some pressure on him. And in a way, this was a really good and a really bad start. I don't think they were particularly impressive, mm. but they got a win. And they got a win because, you know, we keep saying, we've already said five, six times today, where the goal's going to come from. Mm. And, you know, I've, I always think for teams challenging at the top and trying to avoid relegation, if you've got a striker who can definitely get you sort of a dozen goals a season, look at um, you know, that's the thing with Mess. Diallo got that last year and helped us get points he maybe didn't deserve. Just hoping that Nian does the same thing for Mess this year. If you've got a Guerri, you're somewhat a clearly talented player who can put away a couple of chances, even when you're not playing well, then you're always going to get three points and it's always going to help. So that's sort of positive. But the general performance, like, I think, means that there's still question marks over Vieira. Yeah, I think, I think there's quite a lot of pressure on Casper Dolberg because I, I do think he'll have a good season this year, but I think the pressure is on him to to get the goals. The one thing they have got is that exciting three in behind, although I do have a small beef with Patrick with regards to the deployment of Alexis Claude Maurice, um, who yet again is being deployed as a wide forward when he's clearly a really good number 10 uh, and he's wearing number 10, but is being shunted out wide. And he can do a job out there, but I just feel like he would offer so much more playing centrally and behind a striker. Uh, but in this... Trying to work out what his best position is, because to be fair to Vieira, he did not play, he didn't really have a good season last year at all. I think was it only one or maybe two goals in the end. And Yeah, that's fair, yeah. Um, everyone, I think he was the player that a lot of people were expecting to, to sort of really burst onto the scene last year. It didn't happen. Mm. Maybe I'm a little bit biased because obviously at Lorient that's where he was deployed and, and I, I was quite glad that he moved on. But yeah, just be interesting to see if Vieira sticks to this 4-3-3 or whether he adapts more of a either a 4-4-2 or a 4-2-3-1. Schneiderlin and Lise Malo seem to be the standouts to sort of play those holding roles. But I guess we will see as time goes on. And again, I think Nice probably a team that's still going to be a bit active in terms of ins and outs before the window closes. So... I guess we'll see who's uh, who's sticking around and who may be coming in between now and then. Um, so that was the uh, that was the opening weekend's uh, fixtures in terms of uh, of league. In uh, looking forwards to the following week, uh, he says as he switches to this weekend, we've got uh, Leon Dijon. Is uh, the Friday game tomorrow at time of recording, which um, I think might be a decent watch. Actually, you, you think Dijon would want to right the wrongs of the opening day and be interesting to see. Uh, what side Leon are able to put out in terms of who's looking to move on and who's fit after the Champions League run, etc. We've got Rennes Montpellier, which is the Richfield Derby on Saturday, four o'clock. Got Strasbourg Nice is the evening game, which again might be quite watchable. Uh, Rouse against Lille is the early game on Sunday, followed by four games at two o'clock. Angers Bordeaux, Metz Monaco. That's uh, so your debut there for, for Mets this season, Jazz. Uh, Not face Nîmes and St Etienne face Lorient. That's a guaranteed home defeat for St Etienne there. And uh, Brest play Marseille uh, on the uh, Marseille on Must TV. No, that's got to be a mistake, surely. Uh, God bless them. Um, but yeah, Brest Marseille is the evening game. 
on uh, Saturday, on Sunday night. Just before we um, we leave Liga um, for another week or for the first week, I should say, you did want to just just bring up this um, PSG issue. They applied to the league for suspension of their opening game, um, and that was granted. A little bit of a uh, how do we put this? Precedent being set once again. It's the league sort of helping PSG out. Leon are playing this weekend. Okay, yes, they did get to the Champions League final, but do you do you really feel like PSG could have played this fixture? I mean, even with I don't want to be disrespectful, but you kind of feel like they could have put out a slightly weakened side and got this fixture played and probably still come out with a win. Would, would that have been fair? Because they were due to play last. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm surprised it was granted, but once PSG, well, I'm. Su- I'm surprised PSG felt the need to apply for it, and apparently they applied before the final took place. I suppose once they applied, the NFP feel like they have to be seen to be supporting the French team that has got to the final and so done good stuff for French football. And that's pretty much what Lance's chairman said. You know, we didn't want to look like the bad guys, um, sort of, you know, unsettling them just before the final. But I tend to at the same time feel a little bit like quite a few pundits have felt and also as the mayor of Lens said, you know, this is the um, League One sponsored by Uber Eats. It's not League One sponsored by PSG kind of thing. And, um, you know, as you said as well, so put out your reserves that are still full of internationals and, and win the other 37 matches, you'll still win the league. Yeah. So, and, and actually... In a way, it doesn't do PSG that many favours because they've got an insane um, schedule now. They've got they're playing on the tenth, thirteenth, sixteenth, and twentieth of September. So four matches Jeez. in ten days, mm. including one of them is Marseille. Yeah, um, and also that's France are playing on the fifth and the eighth of September. And Deschamps actually spoke about it today, and he called it surprising annoying and awkward I think and he said it puts me in a really difficult position if I play Mbappe and Kimpembe then um, you know I'm gonna have all the PSG fans on my back and if I don't play them then everyone's gonna say that I'm kowtowing to PSG so I mean he didn't blame PSG at all he he I think I was gonna say impliedly I think it was a bit more blatant than that thought that LFP put him in this difficult position but yeah it's not ideal all round I can understand the arguments both on both sides but yeah it's not ideal and yeah you do wonder if Lyon had asked for the same thing yeah that's my issue with it three or four more days rest but I know Julien Lawrence the other day said that he felt sorry for Lyon having to to play this soon without any kind of break yeah also, I mean, I suppose it sort of slightly benefits Lons who get a bit more time, you know, to recover from their weekend. But yeah, I just felt like if you're PSG, uh, and again, I know this is the one thing we defend the league against in terms of saying it's competitive nature, but we all know PSG are, barring something incredibly mental, we, we know PSG are going to win this league. You know, we, we know that at the start of every season in the current uh, sort of trend of French football. Even if they put a reserve side out and got thumped 14-0 by Lons. It, it isn't going to make any difference, is it, in the long run? And that's sort of, that's my perspective on it. I'm not I'm not for a minute saying they should throw a game. But yeah, you would think 
it wouldn't really matter. I mean, they, I, I think they can afford to lose five or six games and still win the league. So it just seemed like a bit of a cop out. And, and I think it's more to sort of protect the egos of, you know, some high profile damaged egos rather than anything else. Um, and on the subject of PSG, we did get confirmation today that Thiago Silva has officially left, um, tarnishing his career to join Chelsea, no doubt. Shame. But um, yeah, he has moved on. I know you're not his biggest fan, but um, it would be unfair not to give him a nod on his way out in terms of how much he brought to PSG sort of with regards to the, the service he gave them and the trophies that he brought home and uh, his, his captaincy run. Granted, not always the best captain, I think it'd be fair to say. But um, have you got sort of any any words that you would be willing to, to chuck his way as he departs Liga? Yeah, I mean, it's, I, he's, I just think he's a really fascinating character, right? He's, you look at what he went through from sort of poverty and then um, bad injuries and illness and being stuck in a hospital bed for months in Moscow and, and things like that, and that he still managed to have a career, show, suggests that he's got amazing strength of character. And then on the other side of it, it's that side of his game that seemed to um, affect him at the 2014 World Cup and at big moments for PSG. Um, and it's bizarre that, to me, he's just not captain material. As a player, I mean, within Ligue 1, he's been absolutely superb. And I think, to be fair to him, in, in this Champions League campaign, to, in lots of Champions League campaigns, he has played extremely well. It's just that, Again, not this time, and so it's kind of nice that he finished on, obviously a downer because they lost it, but on a high in terms of him playing well, leading leading them so well to the final. That was a nice way to go out, but um, I just, as we always say, PSG are going to be judged by those Champions League performances, and I just think in the past, some of those bad defeats can be laid not entirely at his feet, but as much at his, his feet as any anything else. You know, mm. setting a really bad tone, I think, in that Barcelona match. There was the, you know, a needless penalty given away and PSG lost on away goals. And the following year, he scored the goal that got them through on away goals, but it wouldn't even have gone to extra time if he hadn't given away another needless penalty. There's just things like that that stick in the mind. But, you know, overall, definitely a... a a brilliant servant to, to PSG and a great defender for Liga. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, just one other quick thing on, on this, because I'm just intrigued to get your thoughts. Does, does this mean that um, Marquinhos does move back to centre-back? Because, I mean, sh- surely it's a bit risky to go kind of Kimpembe and A and other at this point. Surely Marquinhos has got to move back now. I mean, for me, he's still their best defender. He's probably still their best midfielder. He's their best captain. And all that's in between. In Champions League, he's there. in the sort of final eight, he suggested he's their best striker as well, mm. goal scorer. Um, well, I think they need to strengthen in defence and midfield anyway. So wherever he ultimately ends up playing, the other position needs to be strengthened all the more. Yeah, um, but I think they could do with um, certainly a couple more midfielders and, and at least one top quality defender as well. Yeah, 
Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and and again, you would imagine um, PSG will probably be active ins and outs over the next couple of weeks. Maybe not huge money spent, but you would imagine there will be some turnover in that squad. Um, or in the one massive in and or one massive. Yeah, I mean, of course, we haven't even mentioned the uh, the M word. Um, yeah, uh, that that's. Do you do you think that's even viable? I mean, I think PSG came out and said that we are, after, of course, talking about Lionel Messi and his apparent desire to leave Barcelona. He, the uh, the chairman, Natalie essentially sort of said that it's a project that they would be foolish not to look into, or something along the lines of it wouldn't make business sense to not look at look at the options. Um, but I mean, is it even viable to have? Him, Neymar, and Mbappe in the same side. I just don't know how they how they get around. They can afford it, but how would they circumvent that? Well, Messi, Suarez, and Neymar worked extremely well together, so it's mm. possible. But I just I don't think it's a good idea. I think you look at I know it's they're not exactly the same money wise, but you look at Juventus, and I think they completely stuffed themselves over by bringing Ronaldo in. Same, um, yeah, because. They haven't got anything, any, first of all, his massive influence, which mm. I don't think is a healthy thing. And secondly, they haven't got the money to build a team around him. Even if they want him to be the centre of that team, you still need the rest of the team. Yeah. And I think it's the same with Messi. I just, I don't think it would be a good idea to bring him in. But no. when you're a massive t- team and a huge player like that becomes available... You've got, to, you've got to consider it, haven't you? I mean, it's almost as if you're buying him to make sure no one else does. But Yeah. So I think they're right to say we'd be silly not to consider it. But I think that on reflection, they might be silly to consider it and then buy him. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, you know, of that front three, the obvious one that makes way is Di Maria, who's arguably been the best player for two and a half seasons. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a huge risk as well, isn't it? For a, albeit the best player probably of all time in my opinion, but at thirty three, um, and going potentially to a new league for the first time, there is no guarantee that it'll work. So, um, yeah, I, I personally I still think it's a bit of a power play, and he'll stay at Barcelona. But that's just my my personal opinion. Um, but anyway, yeah, tune in for Spanish Football Weekly when we start that. Never. Um, before we go, we do just wanted, to, or we did just want to touch on the upcoming French uh, or the upcoming fixtures for France. Um, squads have been announced today. Um, I'm basically going to hand over to you because you had a couple of thoughts on this uh, in terms of the, the the main squad and the under 21s. Few noticeable ins and a few noticeable outs. Would be fair to say. Um. Yeah, I mean, more ins than outs. It's difficult. These stupid, I mean, it's obviously this year is different, but these stupid, ridiculously early in the season internationals, I just think mm. that they're a mess because teams are coming back at different times. They finished at different times. Obviously, everything's sort of magnified this year. So, you know, for example, Deschamps made a big point of saying, you know, I've only picked one Bayern player. It's the one who's barely played. Um but Bayern absolutely haven't put pressure on me. They're all, all the others have got physical niggles. I'm not sure I believe that. Um, you know, you've got COVID, so Ndombele maybe would have been out anyway, but he's out because of COVID. Pogba, who amazingly hasn't played for France for over a year, um, was going to be in the squad, and then Deschamps announced 
at the start of the press conference that he's tested positive for COVID, so he's out. Um, Sissoko is Sissoko, so he possibly would have been in in different circles. No, he is in, sorry. Um, so uh, it's difficult to know. The players who aren't there, it's difficult to know why they're not there, if you know what I mean. But mm. it certainly is given opportunities to, to others to come in. So Kamavinga has come in in place of Pogba, which maybe was sort of because it was last minute and he was obviously going to be in the France setup anyway. It was an obvious promotion. Um, I'm not. I think Deschamps more or less said that he's not necessarily ready, but he's clearly going to be in that team or the squad sooner rather than later. So why not give him the first experience of it? Mm. Um, Upamecano is, is in, which I think is fantastic news. Um, yeah. I just think he's a, he's a class act, and I think he showed it yet again during the during the final eight. Uh, Awa is in. I'm still not as convinced as some about him, just because I still don't think he shows enough consistency. But again, there's no doubt that he's a great player, and that when he wants to, in one-off matches, even against top opposition, he 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 can turn it on. So on pure talent I think he deserves to be in that squad interestingly for some reason he's, he was named as one of the attackers rather than midfielders I'm not sure yeah, why I noticed that. yeah uh, Deschamps had some quotes on it didn't he saying that he sees him as a, an attacking player far more than defensively so yeah I guess I guess that's yeah why. but he did sort of say attacking midfielder so yeah true um, Martial has been recalled which yeah. I think you know even you would admit is probably fair on his <laughs> yeah. United yeah. Yeah. season. He frustrates me, Jez. Yeah. I hate the fact he's at Man United, but more to the point, I just think he should be so much further on in his development of the years. But yeah, sorry, carry on. And then, I mean, Deschamps there as well, sort of acknowledged, you know, he did so much so young, he's still young and he has had injury problems as well. So, um, and then the, the really interesting, well, first of all, one interesting thing is that there's only one right back. Yeah named which is uh i mean deshaun addressed it by saying you know there's players there who it might not be their first position but they're capable of playing there i think that's true to an extent but there's also speculation and deshaun said there's eight we've got eight matches between now and the end of the year so it gives us a chance to to test different combinations and different um formations Mm. let's talk but possibly they might be trying three at the back um certainly you look at Varan, Kimpembe, Upamecano, Longley, there's some, you know, it's pretty yeah. talented centre-backs there. Um, but the the really interesting one maybe is that, that Rabiot has been recalled. Yeah, that young um, up-comer, up-and-coming talent. <laughs> what, do yeah, you make, what do you make of that? I think... I want to say two things on it. First of all, I think he, he finished the season really well with Juventus. Yeah. And bearing that in mind and the fact that uh, like we said, there are a few midfielders out. Um, I mean, you look at the the named midfielders; they're not actually that exciting. You have Kamavinga, who's going to be excellent, but is very very young. You've got Kante, who probably because he's not used right at Chelsea, isn't at the best of his form. You've got Nzonzi, who fine, he's a World Cup winner, but he's just Nzonzi. And you've got Musa Sissoko. We, we you know. We've all decided what we think of him one way or the other years ago. And then you've got Rabios. It's not the most inspiring midfield anyway. But mm. um, 
in Rabio's case, I just the other thing I want to say to him, and I'll put the two together, is that as you, well, there was a question asked at the end of the press conference, which was, um, if you're showing this amazing legendary pragmatism in bringing back Rabio, are you going to bring back Benzema? And Deschamps just laughed and refused to answer the question. And loads of people on Twitter have been giving him stick and saying, um, it's disgusting that you haven't answered the question. And, um, you know, why don't you just come out and say he won't be picked again as long as I'm coach, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So fucking bored of it. Yeah. He doesn't need to say that. It's quite obvious that he's not going to. But also the thing that annoys me is that people are drawing false comparisons and saying, well, basically saying that they are in any way comparable. What happened with Rabio? Aside from, I know there's all the stuff with the um, club football and, you know, wanting to leave PSG and even rumours are coming back from COVID. Did he have permission or not to come back late from Juventus, all that kind of thing. And obviously there's lots of shit stirring from his mum in the background. But purely in terms of France, all he did was throw a shit fit when he was asked to be a reserve rather than in the first team squad. And it was childish and it was wrong and it was petulant, but it was understandable. And ultimately the only person that suffered as a result was Adrian Rabiot. Mm. Benzema was involved, allegedly, but even not necessarily allegedly, it's a question of how to what extent he was involved, but clearly his entourage definitely and I think he does have to take some responsibility for his entourage, were responsible for blackmailing one of his France teammates. This is also after Deschamps and Le Grey for years stood by Benzema, even when he went 1,222 minutes without scoring for France, they still stood by him. Yeah. And Benzema repays it with the blackmail thing there's other unsavory stories that we won't even go into here. And then pretty much says Deschamps is a racist. To compare the two, to me, is absolutely disgusting and is so disrespectful of Deschamps and it really pisses me off. Yeah. So I actually don't mind that Rabiot is back um, as long as he can behave. But like I said, the only person who's ever suffered because of his antics has been him. So yeah. as long as that's the case and it doesn't unsettle the rest of the France squad, then then good luck to him. I think he's welcome. Yeah, uh, like you, I'm completely... The, the Benzema thing is just, to me, it's a completely pointless thing to even bring up because it's very clear he's not coming back under Deschamps. You say, why even ask the question? Um, and, and yeah, fair play to Deschamps for straight batting it. You know, why why does he feel the need to address it every time? It's very obvious. And um, and as you said, Rabia did have a very good end to his, his season with, with Juve. Um, I don't think anyone doubts Rabio's talent. It's just what comes with it um, in the shape of his mother. And uh, yeah, if, if he works hard and, and trains hard, then there's a player there. I don't think anyone's ever doubted that. So I guess time will tell. And uh, we'll be interesting to see how these international games are played. Um, I don't know whether we're going to, I don't know whether things might change internationally, given the sort of flight restrictions and whatnot. I think we're all in the dark as to how it's going to work but um, as it stands we have a Euros at the end of this season as it stands stay tuned to see if that actually happens I guess um, did you want to was there any, anybody you wanted to touch on in the sort of the youth and under 21 squads that's been called up because 
the, the main no, thing I mean, that stands out. there is to say is that again that there's still a lot of talent there and that's exactly what i'm gonna say yeah under 21s have underperformed i think over the years but yeah all you can do is just go by who's there and you've got again like um Badia Shile, Kamara, Kunde's had a great season. was was pre-selected for the for the A squad as well in defence. Mm. Um, you've got Gendouzi, interestingly. I was surprised <laughs> at that in midfield. But you've also got Ren Adelaide, who who I think is excellent, and I actually thought did really well when he came on as sub for Lyon in those final eight matches. Um, yeah. Ibrahima Diallo, we mentioned earlier, Kakare, who was fantastic in, in the final eight. Um, up front, you've got Guiri, you've got Edouard, who's got that insane scoring record for, for the under-21s already, and Bermo did well at Brentford. So again, there's real talent in the under-21 squad. And then you go to even the under-20 squad. Um, just to mention a couple of names, you've got um, <laughs> William Saliba, who amazingly is... is Still among the, the the younger players in that squad, yeah. which is amazing to think. Um, Kuasi, who obviously has already done well at PSG and has earned a move to to Bayern. Um, Adil Aushish, who we're all excited about now, he's going to get chances chances of Saint Etienne. Shota, who did really well second half of the season at Montpellier. Masengo, who's I think was voted young player of the season at Bristol City. Yeah. Um, Gerbels, who we mentioned earlier, Monaco, who hopefully will break through this season. So even in that under-20 team, again, there's, there's, there's real talent. There's players who are already playing, if not regularly, certainly semi-regularly for, for top teams. So, you know, hopefully they all keep their heads screwed on, they keep their upward curves and, and it's all good for the, for the French squads in the future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely well said. And um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how how those uh, talents develop. And like you say, Sally Burr is one that I'm keeping a close eye on this season, but there's, there's plenty more. Gendouzi um, one is, is definitely interesting given recent events, although uh, his manager came out today and said that there's a fresh slate. So I don't know if that means we just can't sell him or <laughs> he's being integrated back in, but I'd like to see him stay. I think he's a very talented young player, but it, again, it's sort of like the Rabio thing. It's what goes with him, what comes with him that, that is interesting to see if he can um, shake, but I guess time will tell on that one. Um, good stuff. Okay. Um, I feel like we've, we've kind of done well there between the two of us to, to cover the weekend's games and, uh, and whatnot. I should mention, um, because I will definitely be hung, drawn and quartered if I don't, the um, Women's Champions League final will be uh, decided on Sunday. Um, PSG and Lyon played out their semi-final yesterday. And it was Leon who came through that particular game. So uh, they will face Wolfsburg in the final. Uh, Wendy Renard, who else, with the uh, the winning goal for Leon? That's actually against or two red cards. Well, Nikita Nikita Paris saw red for for Leon and Jeoro um, uh, I believe, so you pronounce the surname for PSG was also also saw red. Slightly ill-tempered games. It's nice to see that the rivalry. Uh, is very much between both the men's and the women's teams. So yeah, Wolfsburg against Lyon. I think even without Phil here to uh, to confirm it, I think it's fair to say that Lyon are favourites. Although Wolfsburg will cause problems. I think it's probably fair to say again one of the highly rated women's teams. But uh, hopefully Lyon can bring home some silverware for uh, for women's football and, and in particular women's French football on Sunday. I think it's a seven o'clock. Yeah, seven o'clock UK time kickoff 
and BT Sport, I would imagine, will be showing that one. I think, anyway. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure they will be. So we wish them well in the final. Um, what game is it you're particularly looking out for this weekend, Jess, to finish up on? I presume it will be the Mets game. Uh, well, obviously, we're looking forward to, to seeing them for the first time. Um, and I'm sort of hoping that, that Lyon are able to, to sort of bounce, not bounce back, but, you know, start well, because yeah. I think it's unfortunate. But um, otherwise, I think Ras Lille. I do like, I just find Ras a really likeable team and club. And I, th I think Lille, I said, I think despite selling selling big every every summer, still remain a solid and, and quite capable team as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I, th I think that's a fair point. I think it's, and it's, it's actually quite nice to watch um, what, while there are some eyes on Liga at the moment with lack of football elsewhere, or of course that won't last very much longer, but it is nice to, uh, if you are a new, a new listener slash viewer to French football, have a look at some of the, the sides that are quote unquote less fashionable because you, you do get some quite enjoyable games um, in, in terms of sort of developing your, your knowledge and uh, your ability to pick out some of the young players in particular. Um, for me, like you said, I think Mets Monaco actually does stand out to me because I'd be interested to see how Mets get off and uh, Monaco again, see how they get on. Strasbourg Nice is one that catches my eye. I, I can't really tell you why it just does. Just, just kind of, I'm intrigued by the Vieira project and I'd like to see if Strasbourg can can bounce back. Um, the, and Schneid, Brest, the Schneider Lineco. <laughs> very good, yeah, very good like that. Um, and yeah, the the Brest Marseille game is is one that I'll keep a little eye on as well, just because. It'd be interesting to see how Marseille how Marseille go this season and um, whether they can build on on the impressive uh, form of, of the previous campaign. I guess we shall see. Maybe they'll still be partying in the streets uh, celebrating PSG's mm. loss. Yeah, that happened. Anyway, um, we will be back next week. Uh, as I say, and as we'll probably say most weeks this season, we don't know exactly what day or what time. Um, everything is so up in the air this season. It's, it's going to be a, a very interesting and uh, hopefully the season will carry on as, as should and hopefully we get a full season this year. Obviously, we're all living in a time where we don't know what might happen from one day to the next. But as long as there's football being played, and, uh, and a couple of thousand supporters in the ground is nice to see. Then we will be here to cover it all this season. So stay tuned. Uh, as always, if you've got any questions or queries, ping them our way via the Twitter account. Um, I want to say personally thank you to Jez this week for holding the fort while Phil's been away because technology and me, they don't go very well together, I have to say. So uh, thank you, Jez, very much for holding the fort. And thank you for joining me again today. No problem. Pleasure. And uh, as I say, we'll be back next week. I'm pretty sure Phil is back. If not, you have to suffer through me and Jez again, but I'm pretty sure she's back next week. So we'll probably become a three-man dance once again, or three-person dance, I should say. But uh, until then, if you are checking out some French football for the first time this weekend, enjoy. And if you're a long, loyal farmer like us, I'm sure you'll be tuned in and uh, enjoying as always. So until then, thank you very much for listening, and we'll speak to you very soon.